Congratulations, you're listening to Congratulations Pine Tree, the Bay's number one arts and culture podcast with me, Kate Rhodes, and normally Maysoon Wazwaz, but Maysoon is attending to other things right now, and so it's just me, Kate Rhodes, here with you. So we're going to make it work. Our research assistant, Katie Kondo, is having an important platinum gold medallion member client meeting right now if you would like to become a medallion donor to congratulations pine tree you can go to congratulationspinetree.com and hit that donate button if you want to get a hold of us you can email us congratulationspinetree at gmail.com you can tweet us at pine tree podcast or you can go ahead and give us a call 419-351-6606 you can also text that number okay what's happening the motherfucking 24th sf independent film festival is going to be taking place february 3rd through 13th bold choices once again they're bringing the freshest new independent films from around the world 42 short and 26 feature films from 10 countries. Live presentations at the Roxy Theater. Oh my god, support the Roxy Theater. Did you hear the shit with the Castro Theater that it got sold to these ape places? Terrible. Um, so support your small independent movie theaters and maybe do it by going to the motherfucking SF Independent Film Festival. Check it out. SFNDINDIE.com. Okay, speaking of the Roxy Theater, they got new seats in there. Go sit on them. Mood Gallery has a new show with an opening party on January 29th from 5 to 7 p.m. Casey Jung and Nikki Nolan with a performance by Casey Jung at 6 p.m. And that is January 29th, people... And that is in the Noonan building at Pier 70, Building 11, over there in San Francisco. Moments Co-op Artist Residency is taking applications, but the deadline has passed. Okay. Oakland Museum, they have a vaccine mandate starting on February 1st. You gotta be showing proof of vaccination for individuals over 12 years of age for any on-site activities. If you're unvaccinated, you can have um, a doctor's note. That's what they're saying. They're having their big Lunar New Year celebration, which I love, on February 5th. But I believe the New Year, the the day of the Lunar New Year is February 1st this year, I believe. That should just be every, the New Year. Honestly, I think it should be in March. Okay. Um, guess what else is happening? bad things. Luca's is closing in downtown Oakland here. Um, They had, I'm pretty sure they had vegetarian breakfast sausage when you got breakfast there. Am I right? Brown Sugar Kitchen is closing, which had just moved to downtown Oakland not that long ago. That fucking sucks. And Betty Ono Gallery. That is pretty massive closure there. Um, Somebody save these things. Might be too late. I was hearing on KQED this morning that we're in a trans apocalypse. That there's not a before and after the apocalypse. We're just transitioning right through it right now. So... 
keep that in mind. Over at Nyad, there's a new online exhibition called Innocence, which was ushered by German Herrera. Okay. What is expressed in this small collection of works emanates from tender voices better equipped than most to express the one quality humankind probably needs the most in this moment, love. You can check out this exhibition at niadartstore.org, N-I-A-D-A-R-T-S-T-O-R-E dot com. I love Niad. Support Niad. Jesus, support everything. It's all closing in on us. Oh, we got an email in. Oh, okay. We got an email in from a listener. We'll have to probably revisit this one. May soon is back, but we definitely got an email in defending Palo Alto because May soon really came for Palo Alto in our last episode. So the listener writes in. Maybe reconsider your position on Palo Alto. The Cantor has been doing great work with Asian American arts initiative co-directed by Elisa Pitchman Alexander to bring more Asian American artists into their collections. Recently, they got watercolors from Kira Obata's first-hand experience of Japanese internment. That's awesome. They have some of his work at um, the Oakland Museum as well. The Cantor was also one of the few local places or only place locally to exhibit Stephanie Sahuko's I Am An work. Also, Palo Alto Art Center is going to open a show later this month with a lot of local artists. I know that Christine Wong Yap is going to be in that show, and I think Jonna Arnold, as well as many other friends of the show, <laughs> the listener says. Okay, that was also me editorializing in the mix of that. I hope you can tell the tone shift when I switch back to me talking. Anyhow, back to the listener write-in. The previous show was focused on disability, and PAAC, the Palo Alto Art Center, has taken lessons learned about increasing accessibility and are applying it to this show. They are asking artists to record audio descriptions of their works. That's awesome. The show before that featured black artists, and it was a really solid exhibition. I get there's a lot of privilege in Palo Alto, but that doesn't mean that art exhibited there isn't interesting, diverse, or worthy of being considered. Absolutely right. And I just want to say I'm on this listener's side and always was. And um, just let that be known. Okay, the bird tour. <laughs> we're still getting emails in about the Lake Merritt bird tour that we're going to be doing. I did go to a cursory survey of the area over the weekend. And I have to say the birds are in full effect over there. There's, I saw coots, I saw cormorants, I think I saw some grebes, but I'm still not 100% confident in my identifying, but I will have that locked in by the time we do our tour, and once again, we're not taking any new people on the tour. If you didn't already RSVP, then you're shit out of luck. Okay, and the Oakland Museum also has a new show coming up by Edith Heath, A Life in Clay trailblazer, rebel, revolutionary. Discover the story of Edith Heath, founder and designer of Heath Ceramics, who transformed the ceramics industry and became an icon of American design. Explore Heath's extraordinary legacy in an original exhibition only at the Oakland Museum of California. Now, when I worked there, you weren't allowed to call it AMCA because of their kind of branding guidelines. The workers there couldn't call it that. But if you want to call it that, listener, you go ahead. Unless you work there, then you can't. 
CCA announced a new capstry artist in residence, Mira Helen. Very close to Helen Mirren, but it's not her. It's Mira Helen. Slip between first, second, third, and non-person, singular, and plural. We're doing linguistics. <laughs> Erratic between detail and general. Preference for present tense. Friendly with contentious mistakes. Mira Helen, nay, Helen Mira. Whoa, we're getting closer and closer to Helen Mirren. Arrives in San Francisco in 1992 and at first is sleeping at her brother's under a rectangular wood table in an in-between room on Orange Street in the Castro. Did the table have an extension leaf? Don't remember a leaf. Keen on the word leaf. Keener with leaves. <laughs> this is the most wattest situation I've ever encountered. Don't we all leaf leave question mark and if absence and presence aren't opposites neither awe and neutrality nor expression and speechlessness nor colorlessness and green the public component of mira's residency is called set lunch towards speechlessness once or twice a week between january 27th and may 27th in the midst of a day walking around the city she will have lunch outdoors with someone anyone can sign up there is no cost and speech is optional Wow, you don't even have to talk. That sounds fantastic. For more information and to sign up for Set Lunch Towards Speechlessness, you can visit wattis.org slash calendar slash January dash 25 dash March dash 27 dash 2022. Okay? <laughs> or just go to wattis.org and hunt down this this page okay there's going to be a wait list um it says that wheelchairs and aac welcome you can email with any questions to wattis at ccda.edu i would love to hear if any of you guys do this um you know any weird art things like this always interesting to see what the art i'm I, my main concern is what is the artist going to have to be subjected to with <laughs> with the weirdos that show up to be fair the artist sounds like a, a weirdo and can probably hang okay keep that in mind mercury 20 gallery over there at 475 25th street oakland they're having a show that's still going it's going to be up through february 25th they're thrilled to present an exhibition celebrating its 15th year as an artist-run gallery the show includes the work of past and current members including julie alvarado carol benioff joanne biagini Eric Bohr, Andrea Brewster, Jessica Cadkin, Rohan DaCosta, Terrell Dunn, Marie Jose Durquet. I can't read all these fucking names. Guys, Mercury 20 Gallery is open Friday and Saturday, 12 to 5 p.m. Come by and view this historic show in person. Hey, shout out to Sarah Tebow and Liz Bernstein have a podcast now called The Side Woo Podcast. Or just the side woo. It's starting season two. Okay. You gotta go listen up. Because they are talking about some weird stuff. Hey, Recology is about to have their big uh, next exhibition. You gotta get a reservation. They're having Dana Hemingway, Keisha Lucas, and their student artist, Elise Anderson. Okay, you gotta go see these exhibitions. It's gonna be phenomenal. 
They're requiring proof of vaccination, masks, and reservations. Don't forget to sign up. If you can't get a reservation, the artist will be live on Instagram. And the account name for that is at Recology, A-I-R. And that is going to be Saturday, February 12th at 11 a.m. And then again, Tuesday, February 15th at 6 p.m. And 6.30. That's going to be Dana at 6 p.m. And then Keisha at 6.30. And then a virtual representation of the exhibition will be posted on the website. And you can go to recology.com slash recology dash san dash francisco slash artist in residence program with a dash between each of those words okay i'll put a link in the underworld i think there's still some reservations open and if you can't get in there check it out online um bring your vaccinations and your love of contemporary art Coming up this Saturday, January 29th, over there at Cushionworks, Lynn Marie Kirby and Christoph Steger present Walk to Walk with composer Anne Hedge. There's going to be three manifestations on Saturday, one at 5 p.m., one at 5.30 p.m., and one at 6 p.m. The final performance in conjunction with the weather is nowadays crazy. Walk to Walk is a participatory work in animation and live performance. A suite of augmented videos created in response to drawings on view and various architectural details in the gallery is activated via smartphone. Anne Hedge, 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 improvises sonic accompaniment via game track tether controller and live processing. Christoph Steger is a media artist whose work explores the intersection of experimental animation, digital culture, and social practice. Dr. Ann K. Hedgie, Dr. Ann K. Hedgie creates musical worlds that invite an awareness of and attention to the body. This event is free and open to the public. Proof of vaccination and non-cloth masks required. Performers will be masked. Audiences limited to 10 people. Okay, you better RSVP if you haven't already. But there's three time slots, so you can you got you got some leeway there. And um, you go see the show. This show closes on Saturday. That's Saturday, January 29th. So there's two shows up there. The weather is nowadays crazy and Gay Outlaw Untitled Bent Box. You gotta go see this work, people. Oh, I'm barely surviving right now. <laughs> and back to the Wattis, they have a thing happening. Two videos by Andrea Chung. Come back to Jamaica. It's up February 2nd through March 5th, screening at the Wattis Bar during open hours. So I was wondering what they had going on back there. Go check that out. Okay, that was all the new stuff I, uh... <laughs> I emailed somebody today about a timeline for something, and I said I could do something in April, but it gives me a little bit of a tight butthole, <laughs> meaning it was going to make me anxious, and then they emailed back saying, let's loosen that butthole. <laughs> My level of professionalism is absolutely iconic. <laughs> okay, well... I got no one to talk to. I was going to try to get a little guest host for the show, but the semester's starting. Everyone's busy. Everyone's moving. Everyone's 
having total chaos happening. So let's just quickly check in with my dog, Wally. Sarah Hotchkiss wrote a fantastic article recently, some excellent reportage. This one came out over there on KQED Arts. Frustrating delays in city funding affect over 200 San Francisco arts nonprofits. You got to read this. I'll put a link in the underworld. But the main thing is the July 2021 through June 2022 GFTA, which stands for Grants for the Arts, uh, grantees included 226 organizations who were amount who were awarded amounts ranging from 10,000 to 450,000 dollars. And KQED reached out to 34 GFTA grantees for this uh, article. And of the 20 that responded, five had not received grant agreements yet even. Two had received their agreements in the past 30 days and only one of the nonprofits who had submitted the paperwork for reimbursements. Some as long ago as November had received any funds six months into the grant cycle. That's pretty gnarly. And they can't really blame the supply chain for that one. Okay, go read this whole entire article. Okay, well, I want to just give a little loving hello to Maysoon. Maysoon will be back. I want to celebrate Maysoon. And let me do so by going ahead and playing a little special something, a treasured memory of Maysoon. Got another listener oh, question over there? Yeah, we do. Oh, let's hear it. This is from Jill. Jill writes in to say she's kind of confessing a little bit. She is confessing that she, for the past maybe six months to a year, has been getting into shows with these paintings that are actually done with the aid of her cat. Did she send images? She did. Do they have like paw prints in them? In some of them. They're kind of, they're a little bit, there's like paw print over paw print over paw print. So they, they kind of smudge out a little bit. They blend. So you can't look, tell. You can't, but when you hear, the color when she skin? says, hey, my, been, my cat's been working with me on these. You're kind of like, Then oh, you're like, oh, I get it. That's what that hair is in the right. painting. Sure enough. And so she's kind of, she's so wondering. What's the problem? She's just she's just wondering if she needs to let it out in the world, if that needs to be part of her artist statement, or if she should just keep doing what she's doing. I think because it is an animal that you do not have to credit them. Okay. I think using... Okay. Now, I don't know. I don't want to say using an animal. I'm very pro-animal rights, as you know, and I'm vegetarian, and I was you vegan are. for six months, you but were. then I found out that... Junior mints are not vegan, so I actually was never vegan, so I was eating junior mints the whole time. (laughs) If you are collaborating, and I use that in quotation marks, with a cat that is your pet, I feel like that's the same as if, like, you wouldn't credit your paintbrush as a collaborator. (laughs) Like, I feel like she's using the cat as a tool. I actually have a friend who also is a painter who... I don't think she's, like, taking the cat's paw and putting it in paint and putting it on the canvas. I know, but if you were, like, say, okay, this is kind of similar. If you took a Roomba... When I worked at the SPCA here in San Francisco, we occasionally did... (laughs) had days where there were cats painting and... And you'd credit the animal? 
Well, yeah. But you weren't doing it as an artist. You were doing it to, did you sell the paintings? No, no. I think it was just to like promote how cute the cats were. Right. And to get them adopted. Basically. Well, that's a completely different situation. But they were painting those damn paintings. You think they were making really like intelligent Some color choices? Some of them had paintbrushes in their mouths. And they they were just sure like, did not have fucking paintbrushes. They were. They, they would sign their names. dirty to, liar. They would sign their names and everything. Well... I mean, if a cat's signing their saying. name to a painting, you hey. can't deny that they're trying to take credit for it. They want credit. But long story short, it may soon. If she's worried about crediting the cat, I think it's fine. You don't have to. If she's worried about misrepresenting her paintings. What if she put her cat's that's fine name? too. I feel like on either count, it's fine not to credit the cat. What like, if she changed her artist's name to include her cat's name? Like a middle name. Like all I'm Jill... Saying- Fluffy Anderson. Okay, well, I mean, I that guess way it's still obviously, secretive. Jill, this must be weighing on you heavily. And truly, she wrote in because, because of it. Ha- yes. I mean, that's a big deal. So, I guess if you want to add your cat's name into your name as an artist, I mean, personally, I feel like everyone should join a collaborative duo and abandon their individual yeah. artist practice, because that halves the competition pool you know oh, what i yeah, mean good point if that's everybody right. joins together that's right but i feel like the cat wasn't in the competition to begin <laughs> with think... so maybe get the cat and get another artist and the three of you why don't you get two cats and another human <laughs> gotta get another human involved to make this make sense to me oh my gosh right okay two humans and two cats yes maybe a dog i know the perfect household oh my god this is great good experience oh, is it mine? Yeah. Aw. Are you Jill? No. Oh, okay. Good. Fuck no. I was worried. My cats would never get involved in any of that. I can't even get my cats to fucking... I could see my cat, Pickles, doing it for sure. Getting into some painting. Maybe I should bring some paint home for her. You gotta check the kind of paint you're using. If you can't eat it... Don't safely, even buy it. If you it. aren't willing Don't to look put at it. it in up your own ass, stop you, it. That's the fastest way to get it in your system, Mason. Suppositories. Mm. If you're not willing to do that, then you should not be letting your cat walk through it or any of that, because you know that's going to go in their mouth eventually. Uh, immediately. Exactly. So, <sighs> but their mouths are not. Have their we given asses. a good answer just, to Jill here? I think so. I think she's got plenty to work with. Jill, it's all up to you. I feel like there is no ethical dilemma here. It's a purely personal moral dilemma. Okay, Mason, we miss you. We love you. We're excited to have you back um, in the coming times. Okay, well, let's go ahead and dip into our dear friend Alex Harris. I should have called up Alex Harris and gotten him on the show. He's not easy to find. Do you guys know this guy? (laughs) Okay, well, Alex Harris has let us know through his glorious and beautiful book, which you need to purchase as soon as possible. You can check it out, heydaybooks.com. That's hey with a H-E-Y. Um, beautiful watercolor illustrations in this book, which is called Birds of Lake Merritt. And today we're taking a look at the common golden eye. Have you heard of this? Is this what James Bond was talking about? Also known by its Latin name, Bucephala clangula. And their lengths are generally 16 to 20 inches. Once you spot a golden eye, the first step in identification is to ascertain whether you are looking at a 1995. 
1995 spy film starring Pierce Brosnan. If so, you are probably watching Martin Campbell's Goldeneye. If not, you are probably looking at a duck that is either a common or a barrow's Goldeneye. But how to tell the difference between these two doppelganger ducks? If you're looking at the female, you might have trouble as the two species are almost identical. Gray bodies with a rich brown head. Their bills can sometimes provide a clue, at least in the colder months. Most yellow, mostly yellow for barrows and mostly black for common. Males are also very similar. Black head, short black beak, and a white body with black wings and tail. But the one major tell is a minor difference in the shape of a prominent white spot on the cheek. The commons is round or slightly oval shaped, whereas the barrows is more of a teardrop or crescent shape. I think I saw some of these this weekend. If you're over there at Fairyland and you walk over to the lake and you get over to the funny little aviary area that's got that geodesic dome that's all fenced up, that's where, if you, and go out to the water, okay, not the little roosting spot, because all I saw over there were regular ducks, some Canada geese, and then one big freaky goose. But if you look out on the water, I was seeing all kinds of weird little ducks, and I think this was one of them. Okay, well, tune in next week, and we might get into another fantastic waterfowl from our dear friend Alex Harris, whose book you need to purchase as soon as possible. It's worth every penny at heydaybooks.com. Okay, I'm going to be looking out for golden eyes and grebes and coots and whatever they got from the bridge. To the other bridge, to the island in between, this has been Congratulations Pine Tree. 